Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth-building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought-provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting-edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to Learn to Earn with Tyler Sheff. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. It's that time again. It's Friday morning at 6 a.m. Yep, I'm probably still in bed, but you are listening to my recorded episode for the week. Cashflow Guys podcast, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, we are a podcast about investing in real estate, but primarily also talking about items of cash flow in general. I'm a big believer in passive income. It's passive income that helped me escape the rat race, and today's guest is going to help us on our journey in that regard. This week, we have the cash flow ninja himself, MC Lobsher. Now he's a wealth strategist. I think that's cool because I use the word uh, strategist in, um, in my description as well. He's an educator and a financial freedom fighter. I think that's awesome. He's also founder and president of Valhalla Wealth Financial, and he is the host of the popular business and investing podcast, Cashflow Ninja. So the Cashflow guy would like to say hello to the Cashflow Ninja. Thank you so much for having me on, Tyler. It's, uh, it's an honor to be on your show. Hey, I'm glad to have you. This is cool. I've listened to your show and I really enjoy it. I listened to you, of course, on Cashflow Diary. That's one of my favorite podcasts for sure. Jay is a, is a mentor of mine. So I was glad to hear you come on that show and uh, share what you know. No, it was a, it was a great experience. So it's a, we live in a small world and yeah, it's, it's a fantastic to connect with you, with you as well has been a big fan of the show and all the strategies uh, that you teach and the value that you provide for your listeners. Now, you know, on your website, I was reading uh, the other day, I was looking, I was on your website and it was talking about your mission being to help as many people eliminate the control of banks and financial institutions. That's a powerful statement. I want to start right there. Let's talk about the control the banks and financial institutions have. And before you even say that, those listeners, if you haven't heard my episodes on REO foreclosures and dealing with REOs and, and dealing with the, the central banking system and things like that. Go back and listen to those. I'm sure MC is going to add a lot of value to that. So let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, no. So banks obviously have a very, very big control over our lives. Um, and anybody that's ever dealt with a bank know that, uh, you know, when you have money and you don't need a bank, that's when they're most willing to lend you money. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Yeah. So um, if we look at financial institutions and banks out there, uh, extremely powerful uh, institutions, and these guys have the biggest buildings in all the major cities, and, and that's for a good reason, their business model. So most banking and financial institutions, um, some of the products that they sell you too, especially when we get to on the Wall Street side of things, but basically follows a simple formula. Banks want your money. Trust me, they want it. Oh, yeah. They want it regularly and on a consistent basis. Uh, they want to hang on to it for as long as they possibly can. And when it's time to give you back your money, they want to give you it back as, well, as little, first as little as possible. And then secondly, as slowly over time back. So 
everything that we do, every single sphere or part of our lives, banking and financial institutions influences us uh, indirectly, whether you want to or not. You know, if you really, really think about it from a conceptual standpoint, there's one pool of money out there really on the planet. And if you're listening to this, maybe you still are employed, you have a W-2 or a 1099, or you're an investor, or you have your own business, your small business, we get paid a check. So what do we do with that check? Yeah, Whether it's bank. from your, you go to, you <laughs> go and put it in the bank. Direct deposit, how convenient. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so for some reason, money always flows through, this pool of money flows through our financial lives, whether it's our personal economies or our business economies or our investing economies. It always flows through our, these economies and it ends right back where it started, the source of it the bank (laughs) and the financial institutions. And even when you, when you add the layer of government in there too, well, now you have two, two very, very powerful entities, the banking and financial institutions and the government, because, you know, as most uh, people that listen to the show knows from an employee standpoint too, I mean, the government gets paid first through uh, just (laughs) the deductions and then through qualified retirement plans. And you now pay the banking and financial institution second. So from a conceptual standpoint, we pay everybody else first from those positions, especially if if you're an employee, before we even put a cent away for ourselves. Now, just think about that. And Tyler, you know, I don't know about you, but the book, uh, The Richest Man in Babylon really impacted my life. Um, And Yeah. Yeah, And just the principle of paying yourself first. So banking institutions and financial institutions play a very, very big part of every sphere in our life. And I think instead of of, you know, my standpoint is I like to try and identify problems in my life and in my business. And then I try to look at solutions for them and not just sit and feel negative and depressed or so about it. So from a positive point of view, when you look at these financial institutions and the banks, they have an extremely, extremely powerful business model. So I look at it and say, well, what can I do that these guys are doing? Because clearly they've got it down. And if you look at what banks are doing and financial institutions and what they're telling the average person to do is they're actually doing the exact opposite thing that they're telling everybody else to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, t- they tell you to give us your money. We'll hold on to it. We'll take good care of it. Trust me with a nice little smile like a Cheshire cat. And we'll give it back to you, you know, 30 or 35 years from now. Trust us. We're smarter than you. We'll take care of it. And what they do themselves with their own money is, first of all, they capture it in certain vehicles, but then they turn it over and over and over, and that multiplier effect comes into into play with them. So a very, very powerful mission. That's one thing that I learned from a person that I see as as a mentor, and I know you do as well, Robert Kiyosaki, um, about just capturing your wealth and then just turning it over and over and over and also looking at what these guys are doing, not just saving your money, but having your money work for you as hard as possibly that it can over and over and create as many uses out of it as possible. So one thing that I learned from him too, as well as the mission, and once you have a, a mission that's so 
enormous as, as such as you just stated. I mean, the mission of the, the, the Rich Dad organization is to elevate the financial well-being of humanity. Absolutely. <laughs> so, and they're doing a great job at that. That's for sure. Exactly. So when you have something so compelling and so powerful, it makes you want to jump out of bed. So that's why I kind of set the bar pretty high for myself to do the same thing. Well, you know, for me, and I'm sure you probably went through this, initially, my knee-jerk reaction when I discovered Rich Dad, Poor Dad is, why didn't I read this 10 years ago? Because I owned it 10 years ago. I put it down, and I wasn't ready to take in the information. But then when I did take in the information, for me, it became a life's work. It became my my goal to spread the message because more people need need this information. This is critical. And with my my uh, coaching program, I require, this is required reading, uh, this book, and before I even will consider taking somebody into my program for that very thing. Same thing with investors. When we work with investors, it's like, geez, you know, you haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We need to stop there. Let's take in that information. I think this should be a textbook. That book right there should be a textbook. It should be required in school. Absolutely. That book, and I would even put the cash flow quadrant in there as well. I agree. Um, just explaining to folks moving over from the left side of the, the E and the S to the B and the I. I mean, just so powerful. And as you mentioned, just a mindset shift because you, you know, you might have a good grasp of uh, some financial education and investing and how things work, but it really, really expands just the, the, the context in how you view not just finances, but the entire world. You're absolutely correct. Now, that I don't know about you, but if but um, I've read The Creature from Jekyll Island is a book that I read probably every two years. I, I've recently discovered it on Audible, and, I, and that was a game changer. It's like, wow, that's, that's a book that really ties into what you had originally just said about the banks and the financial institutions having control over people's lives and how the course of history has been basically handcrafted by the central banking system. Absolutely. And that is the book that actually took me down the rabbit hole. So growing up in South Africa, um, I grew up in a pretty interesting time in our nation's history. I think it was about 14 or 15 years old when we went through the changes from an apartheid regime to releasing Mr. Nelson Mandela to Nelson Mandela becoming our first democratically elected president. And from me, uh, from you know, just from what I've seen um, through that point, I became to, to question everything that I see <laughs> and read um, because I just couldn't believe at that stage that, um, you know, such a veil was kind of pulled over our own eyes. And uh, one, when that veil was lifted and you kind of saw everything that was really going on, it had a profound impact on me and the way that I see the world and the way that I live my life now. I don't believe really anything. I uh, do my own research. I read very widely from as many resources as possible. And then I critically try to think and formulate my own opinion. And the creature from Jekyll Island really was an extremely important part of my development and understanding what was going on because this thing about money, okay, first of all, what's money? Why do I, why do I get up every day and work for money uh, without even knowing what money is and where it comes from and how it works? And the majority of people still wake up in the morning, they go into a job that they don't like, but they have to do it yeah. um, just to make ends meet. 
and they don't even question at the end of the day, well, what is this? What is money? Where does it, does it come from? The concept of it overall. And once you read that book, the way that Mr. G. Edward Griffin really explains that, I would highly recommend that to anybody that wishes to understand the origins of money, where money comes from, a little bit of an alternative view of history, because I think it was Tolstoy that said history would be a great thing if only if it was true. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's important to know that victors write, that write history. I think it was Napoleon that also said that history is a bunch of lies that's agreed upon. So it's important to understand that there's many viewpoints and many different types of history. And there's a lot of things that are not told to us. And especially when it becomes to banking and finance and the global monetary system, there's a lot of things that's not told uh, to the general public out there and for good reason. Yeah, well, yeah, that's our government's way of protecting us, which brings me to, I can't imagine you were always in real estate and financial services. You must have started, let's talk about early on before you stumbled across financial services and, and learning about Rich Dad and, and the creature from Jekyll Island and, and whatnot. How did, what, how did you get started in this? Yeah, so I actually, I traveled quite a bit when I graduated university in, in South Africa. And then I ended up in the United States and I was a, a rugby player at that stage and found a, a city-based national league that was at that stage a couple of years. Um, they've had a couple of seasons. So it was a U.S. Super League back then. And a young guy showing up with a backpack, a suitcase, uh, you know, $500 at that point and uh, a sense of a, a, a adventure and a sense of humor. It was a great time to get started and play a little rugby, meet interesting people. And so that's that's basically how I got started in the United States. I ended up meeting, by mistake, I jokingly say, a very, very wealthy real estate investor, actually in Chicago. And, uh, you know... It, I wasn't smart enough to figure at that point that I need to surround myself with incredible mentors and seek out mentors that will help me along my journey. Right. I uh, did just blind luck to fall into a situation. I learned the real estate business at that stage from the ground up, starting from just turning over apartments. Basically, this investor owned a very, he had a very, very large portfolio of multifamily unit buildings in Chicago, and they would buy and sell buildings. It was a different part, a lot of different areas of their business. But I started turning over apartments ended up doing leases, renting to folks, constructing leases, up until getting my broker's license and being part of his acquisition team, looking at buildings, buying and selling buildings, analyzing properties, analyzing deals, uh, sitting in, negotiating with lenders, which was a very, very huge part of my education was I that. just to so. be. It, yeah, in the room and see how the game is really played and just having access to his advisors at that point and learning from them and um, seeing, you know, how the game is played and the strategies. And obviously at that stage, too, you realize that uh, the things that very wealthy investors and business people do is, again, also the complete opposite of what the average person is told to do. So I spent some time there. I also spent some time, obviously, on the sales side and in corporate consulting which is, uh, you know, I was probably one of the, the worst salespeople out there starting. I was not entrepreneurial. <laughs> I, I, was, I was not a good salesperson. Um, you know, I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs and salespeople, but it's a skill that you can learn and refine and get better at over time. So I really invested a lot of time to trying to master that skill set of learning how to sell, learning how to become an entrepreneur, because I, I come also from a, uh, you know, a little part of it, too, is not just the family, but um, some part of a cultural history is is very risk averse. 
reverse. So there's not a lot of uh, big risk takers. Uh, so that was something that I that I dealt with a little bit too. But it's something that you can learn. You can learn a skill set of how to become good at sales. You can learn a skill set of of how to become an entrepreneur, so to speak. So I think that was huge forming stages in my life. And this was kind of before I got into the financial side of things, how I got into that as I was introduced to a wealth building concept actually at a real estate mastermind. And once I discovered this and implemented it in my own life, I didn't understand why the general public didn't have this or couldn't implement this in their own life and didn't have the knowledge or the how to. So I made that a mission of mine. Um, we touched on that earlier about uh, eliminating the control that banking and financial institutions have over over our own lives. So Absolutely. that's yeah. So that's where I kind of uh, yeah, that's that's how I started. And that's uh, that's where I am right now. So you got into okay. So you got into real estate that took you into, of course, you had to discover you had to, you had to learn how to sell. And I've I've been down that road. That's a that's a lot of a big struggle for people. And, and sometimes they say, some people say they're, they're born to sell. Other people say you, 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 you can't be born to sell. You have to learn to sell. And you've identified those skills. You probably part of a big part of your success and interrupt me if I'm wrong is the fact that you just decided that it's not acceptable for you not to know how to sell. You're going to figure it out. So you take action, you make mistakes until you get to the point to where your passion kind of bleeds out. Now you're in financial services and it's obvious in financial services, the way you carry yourself, the way you speak, that you are passionate about what you do. You truly believe in what you do. And ladies and gentlemen, if, you're, if those of you that are listening, please understand that for me, and, I, and I'm sure MC, you will agree, if you're not passionate about it, I don't, I think it's, it's far more challenging to be good at selling something you're not passionate about. I frankly cannot succeed at selling something I don't believe in. I, I can't sell garbage. I, I I tried selling cars. I couldn't make it in used cars. I had to sell new cars because I only believed in the new cars. I couldn't believe in garbage. And I love the fact that I could feel your passion about the financial services, which so I want to talk about that now. What was the transition going from the real estate more into the, the financial services? Yeah, so I think from the from a sales side too, and doing some consulting in Fortune 100, Fortune uh, 500 companies, and also e-commerce companies, etc., uh, just to expand my skill set because I actually um, went to business school during that stage, learned some really valuable skills. But sales was, I think, the skills that I I needed to master, and I really focused on trying to do that because the one thing that you just mentioned about being passionate about something, I completely agree. I failed. At, at, at certain products that I tried to sell in the past just because it didn't get me out of bed in the morning, uh, excited and energized. I didn't really truly uh, believe in what I was selling. So yeah, uh, you have to be passionate and you have to believe what you're selling. And you also have to, you know, it's good to talk the talk, but uh, you've got to walk the walk. And as far as um, what I'm busy and involved with right now, you know, I live the way that uh, that I teach my clients the strategies. I implement this daily in, in my life. I use the same vehicles that I am selling and I could see the impact that it had in my life, which makes it so much easier because I can explain to them in detail how I'm using certain strategies and implementing it. And, you know, people relate to stories. They relate to sure. experiences of other people. So that, I mean, again, also 
without even to trying to sell someone, just trying to share that part of your life of how you're using it and what you're doing. And then also how this has improved uh, your life. And then also the vision that you have with your company and, and so forth. But I think that the big thing is, you know, there's a, there's a mentor out there that I follow quite right now, and he's very, very entertaining. But he says a, a lot about how, you know, we there's different type of beliefs in a family that translate into our lives later on in our careers. And one of the beliefs usually is, you know, when parents tell children not to talk to strangers, right? (laughs) (laughs) Which yes. And I completely understand why they do that and tell that, tell them not to do so because of course, yes, there's a lot of negative things that we can harp on about the world, but there's also a ton of positive things out there and a lot of really amazing people you know, the you know this about business and about real estate investing and about selling. Every single person that I haven't met is a stranger. That's and absolutely true. The value that the two of us can can provide in each other's lives through exchanging ideas, through exchanging conversations, and all this is is amazing. So that is a belief that that's out there. So that holds some people back because a lot of people are a little bit shy when it comes to. It's only natural, right, to be, but it's a it's a mental belief to overcome that. Every person that that you haven't met out there, it's an opportunity to learn from them. Number one, and also an opportunity for value exchange. I have to say like a lot of people that I uh, speak with on a daily basis and even though they're not clients of mine yet I learn from them because I try to see from an entrepreneurial standpoint what what value I can provide to other people and how am I supposed to figure that out if I don't understand what challenges there are <laughs> in yeah, in their lives to help and solve solve for them so it's definitely one of the things of just uh, of going out speaking to people learn from other people um, you know people I don't have to say this to anybody. We're a very interesting species. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> especially especially in 20s. Yes, I just wanted to say, especially in 2017, we're even wow. more interesting. Um, yeah. What a year already. Uh, it's been it's been amazing just to, to people watch, quote unquote, which is a is a big hobby of mine, especially <laughs> traveling through airports. But it's it's been a very, very interesting year already. I, you know, and I think from from that standpoint, I think that what we try to do too, we all kind of have similar goals for our lives in the sense that we want to become the the best version of ourselves. And especially the listeners, I think, would resonate with this. We're trying to become the best version of ourselves to provide value for others through our services and products that we can help them and through our special skill set. We want healthy families. We want strong communities. We want a strong societies where there's value exchanges going on and where all boats are raised and lifted. How we get to that point is a completely different discussion and maybe 10 podcasts in a row. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you Whole but the central, yeah, exactly. But the central core be, core belief is the same in a lot of people. Now, earlier, you know, we talked about financial products, and everybody has their different versions of what that may look like. And, but as far as yours seems to be, and we had, and, and as we talked before we started the show, is that I've had uh, Pat Donahoe on the show. That was a great show. We talked a little bit about financial products, but I hoped in, in this episode we had to take a few minutes and kind of talk more about. What are some of the some of the tools that an investor can use? It's like I I want to I want my listeners to reach out to you and and we're talking about you know using 
what they have. And I'm a big believer in what I teach my students and my listeners is use what you have to get what you need in order to accomplish what you want. One of our, one of my local mentors taught me that Peter Fortunato. And basically it is now we always got some change left over. We got money. We, we've got money coming in from our rentals. Well, now what? And a lot of people think, okay, well I live off of it and my quality of life gets better, but there seems like there's a missing step there. And I know that you have that missing step and you provide that solution. So can we hit on that for a minute? We got the rents coming in. Things are going well. We got some money coming in. Now what do we do? Yeah, no, absolutely. So what we try to do is, and as you said, use what we have to get what we want. We try to reposition assets to uh, accordingly so that our clients are, have more control, number one. Uh, there's some some safety and risk management strategies. And then also that they're e economically efficient. So they're efficient as far as uh, the biggest wealth destroyer that's out there, taxes. And then also fees and also interest to third parties. And we help them establish cash flow management management systems. And I would like to emphasize systems again, because as investors, we know how important systems are in our daily lives. And we use dividend paying whole life insurance with a mutual insurance company as part of our system. And I just want to say too, with the first time that I discovered the system and someone mentioned dividend paying whole life insurance with a mutual insurance company, I had an eye roll, which most of your <laughs> listeners are probably doing right now too. Right, I kind of right. almost fell off my chair when I, when I discovered this. The way to look at it, too, is that insurance is just another vehicle, just like real estate, uh, just like businesses, just, just like commodities, uh, just like digital assets that we can uh, use and basically combine with other assets to try and uh, get better results and better outcomes. So when you look at it from that uh, uh, point of view, it kind of is a mindset change as well. You know, just using real estate. I've made a complete mess uh, of real estate that I owned. I mean, I, it was a, just a disaster as an investor because I wasn't a very good investor and didn't have very good strategies. Insurance is the same thing. You know, you, you could do the same thing there. And then from a, the real estate example again, then you can get yourself educated or have advisors that help you along your way to have better strategies, to become a better investor and actually create a great investment that produces monthly income through the vehicle of real estate. Insurance is exactly the same thing. So what we do is we use a dividend paying whole life insurance with a mutual insurance company. Mutual insurance companies are not listed on the stock, stock exchanges. They've been around since the mid 1800s. They have wow. a very long term range and view um, of how they manage manage their daily operations, where stock um, uh, insurance companies, they have to get the stock prices up for their stockholders every quarter to, you know, get the, the, the management need to hit certain goals to get their bonuses and get their payouts and all of that kind of stuff, where mutual insurance companies manages the company in the interest of their shareholders, which is the policy owners in the company. The other reason why we use this is money that we put into it, just as in a banking system, there's a deposit and there's a lending side of the operations. There's a deposit side in, in this vehicle and the system that we create. The money that we put and deposit into these vehicles, they uh, are guaranteed to grow by a certain interest rate. They they can enjoy dividends, and most of these companies have paid them 100 years consecutively right. throughout. So you can enjoy the dividends of this. The growth inside these vehicles are tax-free. The distribution inside of it is also. It offers privacy. 
which is a very, very important in today's, uh, the, you know, the times that we live in. And the same thing with asset protection. In most states, it offers asset protection. Now, as real estate investors and business people, um, we understand that we live in an extremely litigious society, and it's probably only going to get worse moving forward. And especially if the economy deterior deteriorates, the the very very powerful part of the strategy, Tyler, is on the other side is the lending side, and on the lending side of this whole strategy, when you borrow money from a mutual insurance company, it's a separate transaction uh, on the lending side of the system because you don't actually access your own money through the or the cash value of your policy that stays on that side on the deposit side it grows if it's never been touched the lending side you access the money through the general account of the insurance company so you get to borrow it on that side so there's two different transactions um, and that's why i use the example of the deposit side and the lending side of this so you can put money into this vehicle have it grown on, uh, predictably with certainty for years, tax-free, and on the other side, you get to leverage it along the way by accessing that capital to go and find more properties, for instance, uh, to bring in more cash flow or as a reserve account. Actually, I have three of these policies personally, and one of them is a reserve account for my real estate investments. So as real estate investors would know, everything would go perfect, and then all of a sudden, one year, <laughs> yeah, yeah. everything everything happens at the same time, right? So I had to do electrical work, plumbing work. Work. I had to do some upgrades. Um, and because I had, um, as part of my cash flow management system for the investing side of, of my business, um, a reserve account, I could just access the funds right away, pay for that. And the uh, the increase in cash flow from the rent that I raised in that proper specific property, um, I redirected back to pay off this loan and then keeps on funding uh, my policy that way. There you go. So you're, it's, it's in a way, and this is a terrible explanation, but I'm not this, I'm not as definitely not anywhere close to as uh, skilled on this as you are, but because I have these same type of products. And what I have found is that to me, it, it's kind of like having a, a prepaid credit card, so to speak. In other words, you, you put money in on one side and that money continues to grow in an account. And then on the other side, if I need to borrow a portion of that money later down the road, I can do that. And what I've found, this has been my experience, is that the lending terms are quite favorable. Extremely favorable. So the one question that I get a lot, too, that ties into the, the favorable, favorable lending terms is, well, what's the catch? <laughs> because I can clearly see on my side that I get to have my cake and eat it, too. But what about the mutual insurance company? Because it sounds too good to be true. Well, you know, these companies, again, Warren Buffett loves insurance companies. It's one, some of the best ran companies on the planet. They are secure because the loan is collateralized, obviously, by your cash value, but also by your death benefits. So there's two ways that they're protected. You're protected on the other side. And through your cash value, having certainty, certainty and predictability, but you can also leverage that. And that's why there's favorable terms. These do, this is completely different than a loan from any financial institution. Uh, so say, for instance, if you purchase a property and need 60 to 90 days before you make your first payment, right. you get to say, you get to set the pay, the payment terms. You know, personally, Tyler, when I started my, my wealth management firm, I didn't make any payments on it for the first eight months because I wanted to stabilize cash flow. 
close and kind of see it's a very seasonal business, obviously, in the fi- in the financial world, because there's a certain time of the year that a lot of people reevaluate what they're doing. Uh, it's more stable on the investment side. I work with a lot of investors and that really doesn't have a, <laughs> a hive season or a peak season. It's right. just it's the same every year. But I wanted to stabilize cash flow. So um, it allowed me to access the capital that I need for my business, uh, build my business. And when I had enough stabilized cash flows, I redirected and paid back money that way. So for eight months, I didn't basically have to pay anything back. Every single uh, company is different. Some of them have, have like a minimum payment of $25 a month, I think, some of them. So they're all different. But the point being, it's really flexible. I would just also like to add that this is not a get rich quick scheme strategy. It is part of a system where uh, that helps you to have a place for capital that is safe, secure, and grows with predictability. It's not a hot stock tip. Um, it is, uh, you know, it's not something that you're going to put your money in. Um, and the little bit of money that you have is going to be a mountain of money in 10 years. But paired with a vehicle like real estate, it's extremely powerful because the qualities that both asset classes have really dovetails nicely. Yeah. And from a long-term overall strategy, it's extremely powerful uh, combining these two. I think you'll, the listeners will, will agree that I'm very selective over who I have on the show. I, I don't, I don't sign on to the get rich quick stuff. I vet ladies and gentlemen, for those of you that are new to the show, I go through a pretty extensive process, making sure that I have taken the steps to do due diligence on the people that come onto the show, the products <laughs> that they may or may not have uh, available and exactly what they're providing as far as value. And I personally, my wife and I have these type of plans in place as well. And we found them to be, see, I mean, they're, they're quite, quite nice. And like you had said with the reserve accounts, that was something that always stressed me out. It's like, I've got, I have a lot of large apartments and spread across the country and I've got these huge reserve accounts and this money's just sitting there and it's killing me. It was killing me. And I'm, and I've started using the solution that you explained in our own business because it was just it just didn't make any sense to me having this money sitting in the bank the bank of course is loaning it out uh doing whatever they do with it god knows and then i'm getting no benefit i guess except for the sleep at night that the money's there but i still the beauty of this program and, and programs like what you're talking about and i know you have different type of programs for different situations and folks if you're more interested in this type of information i encourage you to reach out to mc have a conversation with him because MC, uh, I believe these are very customized for the individual person. There's no one size one size fits all necessarily. You sit down and, and consult with them, correct? Absolutely, and that's a mindset uh, shift as well from the traditional. Well, I wouldn't even call them traditional. It's more conventional or what what is advertised financial planning models that are out there, where you there's there's a you know they ask you a risk profile and they, they you know you get put into a couple of cookie cutter Wall Street products. So we try to help our our clients build their wealth outside of Wall Street where they have more control over it, and it's uh it's set up and structured to accommodate your goals and your needs and the vision for your life because every single person has a different path that they walk on and a different journey exactly. with different objectives objectives and different things that they like to accomplish in every facet and sphere of their life. So we we structure it according to each uh, individual's needs and wants and goals. Um, it, it it really 
I really enjoy it because it's a it's a vehicle that you can be very very creative in, and find different ways to uh, to help people get the outcomes that they want and achieve the goals that they want in that way. So we uh, we do a thorough analysis of your goals of where you want to go the assets that you have currently and how we could be more efficient, how we could could help you structure your affairs in such a way that you have a solid financial foundation to then springboard into into the uh, the next the next uh, step uh, the opportunities uh, that come across your path. But yeah, it's it's very, very t- custom tailored. There are obviously vanilla cases, but Every single uh, case that I and client that I work with is has a different goal, uh, is unique, um, and we try to accommodate everyone. MC, now people, I think that's great. I appreciate you you clarifying that, and I'm sure that a lot of my listeners are going to want to reach out to you after this episode and find out more. Curiosity, of course, and a lot of my listeners are going to take the next step because they've they've sought out financial education. That's why they're here is to increase their financial education to get savvy on these things and to learn more about it. So my listeners want to reach out to you. They want to learn more about it. What is the best way for them to do that? I would say go to my primary platform, cashflowninja.com. Cashflowninja.com. There actually is a link on the homepage uh, of a banner that says Becoming Your Own Banker. That will take you to my wealth management firm, uh, valhallawealth.com. But at cashflowninja.com is uh, is definitely something. There's a ton of information on there, too, and educational pieces about the strategy. And, uh, yeah, Tyler, for your listeners out there that want to learn more about this strategy, if you're interested in a free copy of Mr. Nelson, Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, please email me at info at cashflowninja.com and I'll ship you out a free copy of this book explaining the strategy more in detail. Again, financial education, just as with Tyler, is a big passion of mine. So the more people that I can empower um, and help bring this education to and spread this message, uh, the more the better. So please reach out to me if you're interested in learning more about this. That's outstanding. Could you repeat the the, uh, name of the title of that book one more time? Yes, it's called Becoming Your Own Banker, and it's by Nelson Nash. And uh, he he called this concept, obviously, the infinite banking concept, because it's not about setting up, quote, your own bank, but it is reclaiming the banking function in your own life using the principles that banks and financial institutions use to be so successful and implementing them in in your own life. Well, there you have it, folks. You, just like you, like we say, you know, you find people that are successful, that are doing something different, organizations that are doing things like you want to do. This is exactly what uh, Mr. Nash is probably talking about in this book and what MC has been talking about and what he does in his business. If you want to take the next steps to get involved, first of all, I'm t- I'll tell you right now, uh, MC, I'm glad that you offered that free gift. I'm going to take you up on that as soon as we hang up, actually. So you'll be seeing, I'll probably be first in line for a copy of that book, but by all means. So if you want to get a copy of that book, just email MC at info at cashflowninja.com. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to put that in the show notes so you will have that information in the show notes. And of course, uh, his website, cashflowninja.com, and he will send you over a copy of Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. MC, that was awesome. A lot of information. Going to have to get back on the show another time because I want more information. I want to learn more. I found that fascinating and I want to take it to the next level. I'm sure my listeners are going to want to take it to the next level along those lines. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have questions about what we talked about today, please reach out 
to him and or if you want me to get him back on the show again to and ask additional questions for the benefit of of your sphere of influence by all means drop me an email directly info at cashflowguys.com mc thank you so much for coming out on the show today thank you so much for having me on tyler this was a fantastic experience and i had a blast all right ladies and gentlemen that wraps up this week's episode of the cashflow guys podcast it's time to call it a day. I've got other things i got to get going. I want to be take the time to provide you more value. Speaking of more value, if you have not joined my Facebook group, head on over to cashflowguys.com forward slash group. That's cashflowguys.com forward slash group. If you're thinking about getting started, if you've already gotten started and you're hitting a couple speed bumps, you're not quite sure where to turn. You think it's time that you hire, you get on board and, and, and get on the fast track. You've decided that it's go time. Head on over to cashflowguys.com forward slash coach. That will take you through a little introductory to a couple different programs I have available to help you get started. No, it's not the guru garbage. It's actionable information. Got a new coaching platform opening up very soon. If you want to get on the list, get on the phone and talk to me. Head on over to cashflowguys.com forward slash coach. Have a great weekend. We will catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.